Boston and Chicago in the history books. How about that? We are back, everyone. We are back. We had a wonderful two weeks. It was a whirlwind, but we got it done and we appeared on two podcast stages. So we are so glad to be back home in Philadelphia. Uh, this is Father Son Galaxy. Thank you for joining us. I am Kerwin. This is Keith. Man, it was a great two weeks, right? We had a very good time. Uh, so let's, uh, you know, let's briefly talk about what happened, who we met uh, at Boston and, and, and Chicago. It was wonderful. I mean, you know, you know, we, we drove to Boston, right? And then we flew to Chicago. Uh, you know, we had like maybe two days in between both trips and it was uh, pretty cool. Um, you know, we, we just had a wonderful time on a podcast stage, right? Uh, so what I want to do is just go through and thank some of the people uh, throughout both shows. Uh, we'll start with Chuck and Shauna Lindsay. Chuck and Shauna, they're fantastic. You know, they make the magic happen. They handle the audio and the visual of all the creator stage uh, uh, panels. Uh, so absolutely including us. And this is the third time that we work with them in a different city. Um, yeah, so we work for them Second. three times. Well, Philly... Boston and Chicago. So yeah, this but is the in third a different city. Yeah. We've done Philly twice and it's our hometown. So okay. So you don't count Philly. Okay. Yeah. So in two different cities, um, they're wonderful. So we always thank them first. They make us look and sound great. I want to thank uh, Kyra Navarrete from uh, Relatable Nerds. She has a great podcast. You know, please, we, we, we highly recommend that you check out Kyra Navarrete, uh, co host of Relatable Nerds. She was on the podcast stage, the creative stage with us in Boston. That went well. By the way, to our uh, creator stage, uh, episodes will be available as soon as we get them. So once they, once we get them, they will be on the YouTube channel and all the streaming platforms. So you'll be able to listen I to it all. Boston, at least people seemed lively in the crowd. <laughs> well, okay. At least they looked like they were paying attention and, you know, asked just questions. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. That's a good point. I, I mean, I could say that the Chicago crowd. Tough crowd. They man. were a little, they were tough. I don't, I don't know what I did wrong. People usually nah. laugh at my jokes, yeah. and I just heard dead silence, and I'm like, Ouch. Yeah. See, the thing is, you just don't know who your audience is going to be because it's not necessary that not necessarily that the people there are all Star Wars fans. You know, they may be there for multiple reasons. They're there because maybe they heard about us and they're curious about our podcast or they just need a place to sit and and uh, waste some time. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I get I get the impression that the majority of people and actually the funny thing, that was the biggest crowd. Of the two cities, we had more people attend our creator stage in Chicago than in Boston. Because at least you could find it there. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Right. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But this was the biggest stage for us. We had a great number of people. I don't know, maybe 40, 50 people, maybe. Or I might be, that might be too high. Um, And majority of them, I don't know if they're into Star Wars. You know, I know, I I recall seeing a, a mother and a daughter in the front row who were big Star Wars fans. Um, you know, you could tell because the, the daughter was in cosplay and they're into it. And then after our panel was over, you know, they came up to us and said, we did a great job and, you know, complimented you. And, you know, so, and we did get a few compliments. We did. So I don't want to think that, you know, no one listened to us and nobody cared. <laughs> but um, but it, that's how it goes on the panel stage. You don't know who your audience is going to be. Um, so let me go ahead and keep uh, thanking. So Koi, Koi Jandrew. 
at the Boston Expo. Very cool guy. Our booth was right next to his. That was awesome. Took a few pictures with him. Uh, Ken Quattro and Stanford Carpenter. So now let me show you this book. This book. All right. This is a book, Invisible Men, the Trailblazing Black Artists of Comic Books. Okay. This book, uh, I found out about it uh, just a couple of days ago. Before we left for Chicago, the author, Ken Quattro, reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in interviewing them regarding this book. This book, if you are a comic book fan, or even if you're a fan of history, this talks about African-Americans who actually made uh, a difference in the 40s and 50s, who actually contributed to the comic book industry, but they're unheard of. They're un, they're un, no one knows their name. They're unsung, but they actually did a fantastic job with uh, bringing in comic books and making them popular, bringing them, more, bringing them through what they are today. They get a shout out. There's about 18 artists that are featured, uh, biographies that are featured in this book. Give or it was, it was, it's a fantastic book. And then so we interviewed, got the, the, the chance to interview the author, Ken Quattro, and the person who created the forward or wrote the forward, Dr. Stanford Carpenter, is actually an anthropologist, cultural anthropologist. That was amazing. So we had a fun time talking with them. That video will also be available soon. Uh, look out for that. Uh, we're going to talk about Brick City Blockade Podcast from Boston, Holonet Marauders. Uh, we saw them. They came by our table. Rex and the 501st Legion Midwest Garrison was there. They're, this was in Chicago. They're, they're very huge. They have a huge presence in Chicago. And their table, their booth is actually not even a booth. It was like a, a section of the... <laughs> they had a huge <laughs> they, 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 uh, Because they had the props and they had the 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 dressing room in the back and we were right next to their area there. So you could just walk over and we took pictures of Chrysanthemum with Chrysanthemum and Boba Fett and Rebel Jedi, Pilot. Rebel Pilots, Base I mean, you name you. it. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. Todd and Trent Hoffman, Big T and Little T, our friends from Chicago. We said, okay, if we're going to Chicago, we have to see Big T, Little T, and the, the rest of the Hoffman family. I had a nerf war with Trent and his sister. Yeah. Guess who was winning? Yeah. I don't know. It was an, hey. awesome, it was an awesome time, so I'm so glad that we, we got to see them. Uh, we saw Claudia Gray was in Boston, right? Got her to sign her latest, her last uh, last of the trilogy, the in book the House of, the, of, L. Of, of the House of L, that trilogy, that Krypton trilogy that we uh, we invited her to our podcast about a year ago to talk about it. Well, the last book of the trilogy job dropped back in February. So I was able to get the book and she signed it. She's wonderful. As always, Jordan Hembro. <laughs> Jordan Hembro just from out of nowhere, just came around the corner and just passed by our, 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 our booth in Chicago. If you don't know who Jordan is, he is the producer of this series called Our Star Wars Stories, where he features, you know, fans. All right. For, you know, what, wherever they are, he features these fans and he does a segment on them. Uh, speaking of fans, Mike Hinton, he knows about Jordan Hembro. Uh, his family was featured. Jordan just passed by our table, <laughs> our booth, and we couldn't believe it. And he was so nice. Uh, he stopped and he. You know, he was working, obviously, and he stopped to take pictures with us. That was awesome. Um, 
And then I just want to thank those who attended the panels, who came by our, our booth and say, said hello and, you know, gave us well wishes. That's the, that's the fun part of going to these uh, conventions, these expos, you know, just meeting people for the first time and just community and people laughing and, and, and having fun. Um, special shout out to Maceo, little Maceo. He was fantastic through both panels. I mean, he just walked the stage, walked, you know, walked the past, walked the stage, went to the snack bar, back and forth at the snack bar. He just couldn't get enough of those Doritos. He loved it. And Tanya, super producer Tanya, you know, who put it all together in both cities. She did such a wonderful job. So thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you. Wonderful. All right. So just wanted to get those out the way. We had a great time. Um, let's talk about our subject. All right. Our subject today is we want to continue, uh, finish up actually the arc, story arc of Ahsoka and Rebels. So what we've done so far is talk about her role as Fulcrum in, in uh, you know, her role as Fulcrum in, in Rebels. And then we moved on to a moment where she sensed that maybe Darth Vader could be Anakin Skywalker or Anakin Skywalker could be Darth Vader. She wasn't sure. Uh, she worked with Kanan and Ezra to see, to talk to Yoda, to see how they can defeat the Inquisitors. Yoda gives them advice and tells them to go to Malkor. Malkor, that's where the melee took place. Doesn't actually <laughs> work out well for most of them. It, wow, it, it was something Kanan else. Because gets blood and Ahsoka ends up deadlocked ah. in a duel with, with uh, Darth Vader. Yes. And Ezra gets manipulated by Maul, so everybody lost something. And, and, and speaking of loss, so we lost three Inquisitors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> three. In <laughs> I'm holding up two fingers, but three Inquisitors. <laughs> and here's the funny part. Yeah. One, of them, one of them died by their own hand. Like, yeah. he, yeah, he got he, beat he up. Like, Kanan, I believe, slashed his lightsaber. And the dude, I kid you not, made the most negative IQ play and decided, well, my lightsaber's broken and sparking in my hand. How about I fly off with it? And he fell. Yeah, and he fell, right? Way down. So I don't know what he was thinking. I think he... What was the logic? I don't know. I, I think he, he, he panicked. But anyway, so... So now we're up to the part where, like you said, we were talking about the, the, the duel between Master and Apprentice. We had no idea of the fate of Ahsoka. We knew Vader was going to walk away because Vader appears in the in the original trilogy. And we had no clue what happened to Ahsoka. We had no clue. And we still don't know. Well, up to this point. But now we're going to get into talking about two episodes, actually. So the first one is episode 12 called A Wolf and a Door. Right, which leads us into episode 13, A World Between Worlds. All right, ready? Let's get started. Okay, uh, so what, why is Lothal so important to the Empire? Right, so we finally find out that there is a, a, a temple there, a Jedi temple that's very, very significant for both the Jedi and the Sith. Now, so apparently it is being guarded by the, the Imperials, uh, ran by a gentleman named uh, Mr. Hayden, who is watching this door. Now, on the door is a painting, right? And this is what we talked about last week, the Mortis gods, the father, the son, the, ah, daughter. the daughter. We talked about them last week. And they were they were on the thing of a bobber. Yeah, they were on the front door that yeah, they leads were on that door. to the, the portal or through the, the world, of, uh, world between worlds. Hayden and his people are trying to figure out how they're going to get into this 
portal. They had no idea, which is a funny thing because Ezra obviously knew how to get through the portal, open the doors, right? Unlock the doors and get through through the portal. But you think Palpatine would have know how to do the same thing. But apparently not. Yeah, so that was pretty unusual that, you know, okay, Ezra knows how to get in, but he doesn't. That was interesting. So All that's right. the entire point. They need somebody to relay this information to Palpatine so he can unlock the secrets and become powerful. Right, exactly. Which, as we know, doesn't exactly work out because Palpatine was never a cosmic conqueror. Right, that's true. That's true. All right, so now Ezra does unlock the temple. And he is into the War of Worlds. All right. So that was the end of episode 12. And then we're moving into 13. Something that you brought Oh, by the up. way, Sabine's with him. And she gets captured. True. Right. She does get captured by, by Hayden. Now. And, yes. And he wants, you know, because so she's Hayden, an artist. Like, wants information. Right. Hayden her is. About how to over the uh, temple. Right. Trying to get figure out what does the mural. You know, when you look at the mural, to me, it reminds me of a stained glass window in a Catholic church. Right. It just it, it just looks very three dimensional. And there's a certain way that the, you know, the, the the daughter's head needs to turn and the direction of where the father's pointing in order to in order for Ezra to enter in. Ezra figures all that out. Now he's in. He's running for his life because he's got he's caught by the, the empire. And now we pick up from there and we talk about the beginning of episode 13, which is something that you picked up. So here's the thing. When we're in the world between worlds, before Ezra even gets out of the portal on the other side, we're hearing a good 20 seconds of voices. And something we hear are the voices of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, and it sounds like they're communicating. Because Obi-Wan says, what is this place? And then Qui-Gon replies, a conduit through which the entire force of the universe flows. Yeah. Which is interesting because the, the, the voices that we hear are, are all Jedi, uh, except for Maz Kanata, but all four sensitive people, right? But the these were the only two, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, the only two that seemed to be talking to each other. And we were trying to figure out why that is. So again, so what is the world between worlds? Let's talk about that. It's a pathway to all time and space with various portals that bring Star Wars past, present, and future together. So when we're hearing these voices, we're hearing you know voices from Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, like you said. Uh, we're hearing Ray from the future. We're hearing uh, Kanan's voice talking to Ezra uh, when they first met. So you're, you're hearing all these voices. They're coming together. Right? They're, to me, it, it seems that from it's like where, the Force Gallery. Right. So where Ezra, he is in a place where he can enter into any part of history. All right and interfere with history so it's like it's time travel i mean if you think of it you know they didn't never mention the words time travel but that's pretty much what it is i mean he can go in you know anywhere in time and change what happens and change the the outcome going going forward so you talking about this conversation that obi-wan and and qui-gon was having you know obi-wan wanted to know well, what is this place I don't know, you know, you can, you know, if we talk to our, our audience out there, if they've heard that quote from Obi-Wan from any of the Clone Wars episodes, but I wonder if it's the time when Obi-Wan is transitioning from his human form to the afterlife, 
right, to becoming one with the force. And he is with Qui-Gon. He has no idea where he is. And he asked the question, you know, what is this place? And then that Qui-Gon comes back. And like you said, he says, it's a conduit through which the entire force of the universe flows. So I don't know. Maybe it could be a quote from a Star, uh, Clone Wars episode. I don't know. But it was very interesting that it seemed that the two of them were speaking to each other. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's uh, hop over to Q&A. Okay, yeah. And then one other thing we also noticed, the voices that we heard, none of the voices were Luke Skywalker. No Luke. Yeah, that was very interesting. I wonder why that is. Weird. If anyone, if anyone would know that, that answer, why did we not hear Luke in the world between worlds? All right, let's go to Q&A. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're new to the channel, thank you for, 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 for being here. Uh, thank you if you've been here before for coming back. Dallas. Good evening. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you for joining us. Good evening to you. Hope you're enjoying your summer. Latoya T, listening to get ready for the upcoming premiere. Yes, it's just, it's, it's one week from today. We can't wait. Yeah, it's, it's excellent. Mike Hinton, thank you. Hey, guys, thank you so much, Mike. Always a pleasure having you join us. All right. And then we have all, uh, Aiden. This is, Aiden, it's been a while. How are you? Hello to you. All right. And then, yeah, and when we talked about, yeah, it was very strange that we did not hear Luke's voice. Um, and I don't know if there's any reason or story behind that, but that's it is what it is. But anyway, so now we uh, let's move on to Ezra. He's now, like I said, he's going through. It's like he's walking this path and it's in space and he's hearing voices and the voices are coming from apparently different portals throughout the, the world between worlds, and he stops and he sees this bird. This bird looks familiar to him. The bird is Mirai, and it is a, a, a creature that, a an owl that travels with Ahsoka wherever she goes. And if you recall, during the Malachor battle with Vader, when we saw Ahsoka walk away, the bird followed her, but we didn't know where they were going. And we had no idea, you know, if Ahsoka, did that mean Ahsoka survived the, the battle? We had we didn't know. But that bird apparently was with her when this battle took place and, and after the battle. So now it's standing above this portal. And it's trying to get Ezra's attention. Ezra sees the bird and he's looking he's at like, the bird. Well, well, what can I do to right. help? And what it does, the bird shows him the portal to where the battle between Vader and Ahsoka is continuing. And Ezra is panicking. He sees that Ahsoka is losing. He 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 doesn't know what to do. So the first thing, so the bird is trying to tell him, you know, do something. I mean, we can't, we don't know what what the bird was saying, but the, the bird, bird was like Ezra. The bird was, you know, panicking, oh, and, dude, and Ezra portal. said, you know, well, what do you want me to do? And then Ezra quickly went into the portal, grabbed Ahsoka, and pulled her out, and literally saved her life because. At that point, I, I, you know, Ahsoka took her lightsabers and she uh, slammed it into the ground and the ground collapsed. And we didn't know if, if she was still there, she would have survived. She probably would not. Vader did. Uh, but he pulled Ahsoka out and she's fine. And she has she's missed a lot. She doesn't know what's going on. And one of the questions that she asked is, uh, where's Kanan? All right. So now let's talk. Out. Yeah. Now, she doesn't know about Kanan, um, but just to, you know, we didn't really talk too much about Kanan's fate, but we should bring it up here because it's very important. 
Canaan um, had to sacrifice his life to save the lives of others. Okay. All right. And that took place at the Imperial Refinery. Um, so Ezra had this moment where he felt, okay, well, am I here to save Ahsoka and my master, Canaan? So what he does, he... Wait. Go ahead. Was Canaan there when Bendu died? That that thing from the third season? Yes, Bendu is... Force creature? I don't recall that. Was Canaan there when Bendu died? What? Um, I don't know the answer. Why, why are you asking? Because by implication, mm -hmm. if Ezra could see other people who were there in those moments, then he should have been able to see what happened to Bendu and grab Kanan from there to then escape back without ruining the event where Kanan saves him. I see what you're saying. So you're talking about maybe saving Kanan prior to the explosion. Yep. Ah, but don't you think that, okay, if he did, do you think it would have still kept the same outcome? Yeah, because see, here's the thing. When Ahsoka got pulled out of the portal, Vader was still there. So wouldn't something have changed there too? Well, the only thing that changed between the two of them, well, there were the only two present yeah. that he fell through the ground, but he managed to survive and walked away. So it would have been either he and Ahsoka falling through the ground and Vader surviving and maybe Ahsoka not surviving, you know? So Yeah, I don't get that. Okay, well, explain. What do you think? See, here's the thing. Did Ahsoka die? Like, because if not, that means there's literally two Ahsokas running around in this world. I don't get the impression that she died. I think Ezra ah. saved her before she may have lost her life. Well, I don't know. Well, you know, it, see, this is the thing about the world see, between worlds. I'm thinking worlds. about it's, this it's, like endgame time travel. Yes, okay, where time, if right. You, if you cause an event to happen, like go back in time to, I don't know, 1944, and you stay there, <clears throat> Captain America, then that doesn't apparently affect the things that would happen in 2023, like the final fight. Yeah, we had this conversation last week when we were talking about this episode. The World Between Worlds makes no sense. Oh, well, no, honestly, absolutely talk about don't it because get the episode it, it, is, it is considered uh, maybe a, a controversial episode. I, um, I never understood it, frankly. Mm-hmm. Because all they had to do was tell us Ahsoka didn't die. She's just been captured by the Imperials. Right. And Darth Vader's interrogating her. Then Ezra saves her. And, you know, happy, happy, fun, fun. Right. So why was she put in a position where she had to be saved in the first place is your question. It is a crazy part. Why did we have to rewatch Kanan getting roasted on an open fire? Yeah. Was, well, that, was that necessary? I know that was a very emotional moment for a lot of people, and it was very painful to watch it again. Like, oh, yeah. right. Really? But you know, let me. I I want to share a secret with you. I have I have a story that I've never told anybody before, um, and I don't think I've ever told Ooh, you. Ooh, juicy secret. Well, it's not juicy, but you know, I, something about saving people. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll explain. So 
in 2019, when I, Star Wars Celebration was, was in Chicago, I believe. So they, um, they live streamed the premiere of the trailer, the first trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, right. For The Rise of Skywalker, okay? Now, let me preface that by saying, in The Last Jedi, the movie before that, you know, we all, anytime we talk about these last two movies, you know, like it's, it's, it's hard. But let's get through it. In The Last Jedi, I, uh, spoiler alert, everybody, I was not a fan of seeing Luke die at the end of that film. Me neither. I did not like I that. think it was possibly the most unthought, less, the most unthought, worstly planned decision ever made in the history of any Star Wars movie. Okay. All right. And that You is... couldn't even wait till the last film to get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, there's been a Skywalker in every film, and then we got Ray being an imposter. Okay, well, you and that was before on, Among Us blew up. Stay on target. Stay on target. All right. So you absolutely have you know right entitled to your opinion. Uh, you didn't like the idea of Luke dying. I didn't like it either. So now, back to when we're wa- I'm watching the trailer for the very first time because it was Episode Nine. It didn't even have a title yet. So we're watching this trip. I'm watching this trailer for episode nine and, you know, it looks pretty good. It looks exciting. And then when they get to the final shot of the trailer and they show you the name, the title, and you see the word Star Wars and then, <laughs> the, rise the, and then the rise of Skywalker, I fell out of my chair. And I'll tell you why I fell out of my chair. <laughs> because when they said the rise of Skywalker, I was expecting that they had figured out a way to, to resurrect Luke, Luke yes. Skywalker. Yes, that's and it's you know it's embarrassing to think about it now. And maybe no, it's people, not. Maybe people you know who saw the title I for the first time. I actually get that. I feel like yeah, I the mean, fact that they didn't bother to resurrect Luke. <laughs> was, I mean, that, um, um, uh, it, it was a very well. Now that I've seen the movie, it's a very misleading title because the didn't. title. Really has nothing to do with the film at all. But anyway, it has nothing to do with the Skywalkers in general. They're all dead. They're all gone. Okay. There's so, no one left. There's not even a solo left. So they're all right. Just, so they're all they're all dead. Yeah, great. So let me bring it back to why I'm bringing this up. So when I saw the title and I thought they found a way to bring Luke back, I was thinking, okay, well maybe they're bringing back. Maybe they're going to have him. Maybe they're going to find him in the world between worlds. You know, Ray's going to find him, and right before he actually perishes. <laughs> She goes oh, back God. in time and tells him, Luke, no, we need you here. You have to help oh, us God. here. And then he's back. You know right? what? This whole thing would have been avoided if Rose had some common sense. So you know what? how you know how in The Last Jedi, yeah. Finn is ready to crash into that thingamabobber yes. that was destroying the rebel base or something? And he was ready to sacrifice, but in turn, you know, save all the other rebels. And then Rose crashes the ship. Okay. And all then right. she's like, oh, my God, it's saving what you love. Okay. And then, and then I, passes I, out. I, that I was, oh. You're talking about Rose. I'm just talking about oh, being yeah, back. Yeah. Right, and then let's, Luke let's showed stay. up to save the day because he had to. Okay. Let's, let's stay on topic. All right. So. I'm bringing this up because I thought that maybe they have found a way to bring World Between Worlds to live action. And <laughs> I did not remember, you know, that they, they closed the that World portal. Between Worlds, right, the portal was closed and it was ultimately destroyed. So that there was no reason or no way that they were going to bring World Between Worlds into live action because, Time no, travel! because it no longer exists. 
Um, so, but then, right. So that's, that's one thing. And then another thing I, I, you know, I felt like Ezra, when I saw the title and I saw the rise of Skywalker and I wanted Luke to come back, I wanted any possible way to bring him back. I felt like Ezra felt where he was in a position where he wanted to bring back his master, but he was not ready to let his master go. And Ahsoka... And Ahsoka had to explain to him that you can't save your master any more than I could save my master. Anyway. So is that some sort of like back to the future reference? Well, like, you know, well, if you save about, Kanan, you're going to fade away because the ship's going to get destroyed. Well, here's right. Here's the answer to this question, to your question you just asked. Because if the world between worlds still exists and we are able to go back in time and change any course of history. And we are allowed to save our loved ones. Who decides who gets saved and who doesn't, right? Because if I said, you know, I want Luke to come back, is that fair to ask for Luke to come back? And what about going back in time and having um, saving saving Obi-Wan on the Death Star right before Vader cuts him down. Or going back to Qui-Gon when Maul destroys Qui-Gon. So is it fair to say to say, I just want to say just 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 this one Jedi See, and not save more? Like so here's the thing. Those events had character development on the main character. No, I understand that. Like when Qui-Gon perished, Obi-Wan was there to take yeah. on the chosen one. Which led to all the other events, and then when Obi Wan perished, that led Luke to then train to become a Jedi like his father before him. Yeah. But Luke dying gave character development to absolutely no one in any sense whatsoever, because you know Ray just kind of. Yes. She's like, well. But again, that is uh-oh. that is your opinion because there are and a lot. And Leia barely got any time to you know care about that. Mm-hmm. Well, remember that there are a lot of fans out there who love that film. And thought that Luke's arc. That's amazing. <laughs> no, and, and thought that Luke's arc needed to come to an end. That he had a satisfying like ending. That. Well, I'm telling no, you what see, people out there, well, fans of the film, are Mark saying. Mark Hamill didn't think Luke Skywalker was well, acting in character. Yeah, well, Luke, uh, Mark Hamill did not write the script, so exactly. Know, yeah, so he really had no At control. Least Donald Glover gets to write the script for Lando. Okay. All right, we're moving along. All right. So that's my point. Um, I had to let Luke go, all right? So even though, again, I didn't want him to to die, I had to accept it, okay? Ezra had to do the same thing. That was a ridiculous decision. He had to accept that he could not save Kanan Jarrus. Okay, that was my point. All right, so we'll keep on going. Here's my point. I do not like The Last Jedi. We we know that. I have been trying not to smoke this movie for the past two years. Okay, you know, but that's the reason. See, it's fine. You know, we'll 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 devote another segment of another episode and talk about the Rise of Skywalker. We'll talk about The Last Jedi. Because I know you've been bottling up a lot of (laughs) emotions. Sloppy, uh, about sloppy. those two films. All right, but let's move on. So uh, there, there, there is no eighth and ninth Star Wars movie. We're going to talk about Palpatine. Okay. It ended with the Force Awakens. Here's something I did. The not- moment I saw Luke chuck a lightsaber over his shoulder and burn the Jedi tree, uh, it was over. You saw. You are a fan of Seinfeld. 
All right. Do you remember actor Ian Abercrombie? Yeah, he was uh, Mr. Pitt. It's, you know, Elaine's boss. Mr. Pitt. Right. Okay. Yes, he was. That, that famous scene where he's eating a Snickers bar with a Oh, knife yeah, where he cuts in with, with a the knife, knife and, and fork. The yes. I did not know this. This is, you know, something recent. He actually voiced the Emperor throughout the Clone Wars seasons. Okay. Of course, they had to hire somebody named Ian. How about that? Right. Um, yeah, very interesting. And he did a very good job because he sounds just like Ian McDermott from I never the films. Knew that. Right. So it didn't really occur to me that there was another actor voicing uh, the Emperor. But uh, sadly, uh, Abercrombie passed away in 2012. 2012. Yes, that's Thanks. right. Yeah, very good. And they brought in, you know, the one and the original emperor himself, Ian McDermott, to voice the emperor in, in, in Rebels season four. Right. Mm -hmm. So we get to hear Ian McDermott back as the emperor, you know, as we know him and, you know, evil as ever. Uh, it was just wonderful to hear him say, Ahsoka Tano is Rob Bridger. <laughs> You're mine. That was that was wonderful. Yeah, that was Speaking a terrible. That was a terrible emperor. I've done better. Actually, uh, I think that was pretty good. Nah. but uh, yeah. So we were talking I about a flashlight on my face. We were talking about Boba Fett. All right, okay. Um, yeah, I do recall hearing that story about the dent. Yeah, yes, he was in a shootout with Cad Bane. That's why Cad Bane has a metal plate in his forehead. That's why Boba Fett has a dent in his helmet. Right. Now, why did you bring that up? Why did that just pop into your head? I don't head know. It just popped up in my head. Okay. You All said right. Clone Wars, and I thought Clone Wars, and I thought Cad Bane, and then I thought Boba Fett, and then I thought Clone Wars Season 7, because okay. you brought up Rebels Season 4. Okay. Can anyone just, uh, if you're in a chat, can you just uh, put in a chat that you can still hear just us? Just type yes if you can hear us yes. and see us. And see us? Simple answer. Okay. All right. Should we continue to move on? Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. I'm still here and I can see you. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you so much. We Thank apologize. You. We don't know what happened. All right. Um, okay. So, let's talk about the Emperor. So, the Emperor, uh, not that he was able, well, he was in a portal himself. I think this is something that was a little confusing for me. He didn't go through the portal. Oh, yeah. That's, he didn't that, go that's through actually, the portal. That's actually a good point. Like, and Palpatine wasn't dead at the time. Like, what? I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know if it's the world between worlds can see events that happened in the past, present, and future. Like, they can see what happened to Luke at that present time, or they can see what happens to Palpatine in, like, a few years. So here's, 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 let me ask you this, okay? How is it that Palpatine is able to project himself through a portal when he himself is not aware at the time of Return of the Jedi that such a thing exists? And secondly, it's not him in present day, because there's no way he would have had access to the portal. They couldn't have floated the Emperor on such short notice. And the fact that we never see him in any of the scenes where the where the portal ends up getting destroyed is another good hint. Yeah, I, I, I can't answer your question because I don't know. I, I can't, I don't understand how he was able to get, 
in the portal. And I also don't understand how he was able to project astro soul lightning into the world between worlds and interact with the people there. Exactly. As at one point it grabs Ezra and then Ahsoka slashes it in half with her lightsabers. Yeah. I mean, so it, how is it that he's able to project and interact with other objects and characters inside of the world between worlds when he himself should not have access to the world between worlds when, when he fell down the reactor shafts, he would have had no knowledge of how to do that in such short time. And at that current time, he was nowhere near the portal. And in the past, Palpatine still wouldn't have been able to do such a thing because he was still Chancellor and he wasn't that powerful yet. Yeah. So here's the here's the issue. Mm-hmm. How is it possible that Palpatine is there? And I doubt it's one of those figment of your imagination type scenarios where they're like imagining him. Because Ezra and Ahsoka actively interact with the soul tentacles that that Palpatine projects out. So how is it possible? That's my question. Yeah, I okay. I don't know. I how is it possible? Huh. We don't know. That might have been a flaw in the story. Um I don't think I don't think anyone thought of that. Well, I'm right. not mocking the writing, okay? It could write. But visually, okay, right. it right. looked great, right? Because Ooh, we, yes. we saw the hand come through the portal and then the force lightning or the fire or whatever it was. Um, Soul fire, I like to call it. Okay. And it was a, a brilliant blue color. And he was going after Ahsoka and Ezra, and they were running for their lives. And like you said, uh, Ezra was caught, but they were able to go free. And they actually went through different portals. And the last thing that Ezra says to Ahsoka is, when you get back, come and find me. Wait, 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 wait. First of all, why did they split up? And secondly, how is it that there's two different portals that lead to two exit destinations without one ending up back in time? Because as far as we know, there is one entrance to the world between worlds, and by implication, one exit to the world between worlds. So how is it that Ezra and Ahsoka were able to split up and end up at the same point in time when all the other portals seem to be gateways into other moments in time involving Force-sensitive persons? When Ezra manages to get back to the Lothal portal, where did Ahsoka go? Okay. Well, my thought is, this is I don't know if I'm right, but I actually thought she went back to Malachor. Right at the time when the, the, the fight between her and Vader ended. Because remember, right towards the end of that episode, the, the Malachor episode, um, was it Twilight of the Apprentice? Yes. Yeah. We saw Vader walk away, and it looks like he, he just was a he, right. He looked like he was a Battle little game. a little groggy, and he's walking out of this rubble, and he's staggering. He's going back to his ship, and then we saw Ahsoka and Mor- Morai, the bird, walking. Looks like they were going into a cave or something. So ah. I think that's where it oh. picked up. I think it's where that's where she entered. From the portal uh, back so to funny. wherever she needed to go oh, to, to get out. It's okay. All right. This well, makes I, no know, sense. Time, like I said, time travel, telling a good time travel story is not a very easy thing to do. I actually like it. I think it's a very great. I think Did it's you a think great, it was lucrative? Lucrative? I, I, I thought it was creative. Um, sure was. The only problem that I have with it is that. It's one and done, you know, because the the, yeah, you the, the portal li- you is now destroyed. You can't use it again. You can't use it again. 
But something tells me that we're going to see this portal in the Ahsoka series. And I don't know I why, so. but how? Because the, the portal's destroyed. Exactly. Is there, could there be another portal somewhere else? No. Well, how do you know? Because could, if, if there was a portal elsewhere, yeah, why weren't the Imperials mm-hmm. elsewhere? Like, that's the thing. They had Lothal on lockdown. And when that's that true. portal was closed, everyone's like, the world between worlds will be sealed off forever. You know, we'll never be able to get back in there. But if there was another portal, then uh, Haydn would have never gone up to the rubble and been like, no, in the most dramatic way possible. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, so if I, there was another portal, the Imperials shouldn't have been that worried. Yeah, I, it's, 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 it, yeah, I don't know. I, again, I, I think this portal is going to pop up again in the series. I don't know how. I don't know if it's going to be a different portal. It shouldn't be possible. It shouldn't be possible, but you never know. I thought it was a very creative story to tell, and it was Star Wars. I think it was an experiment to, for Star Wars to see if they can tell a time travel episode. And it was controversial. A time travel story. Of course it's controversial because it's, whenever you tell a time travel story, it's controversial because, you know, there's going to be somebody, you know, who, you know, like you say, well, this doesn't make any sense. The time is good. I don't think anybody hated on Endgame's time travel. You would be surprised. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that say that Endgame. Game two. I don't know. This movie was seen by millions of people. I don't know, um, but I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I don't know billions. They make billions of dollars. I don't know if they saw like billions. billions of people. Um, Just me, but I, I'm, I'm sure there's somebody who is watching very carefully and saying, "Well, no, well, you know, this doesn't make any sense." Uh, well, Neil deGrasse Tyson literally broke down the science of these movies. Okay, well, we need to go. Back. I would know that. Okay, yeah, but it, it's fine. I, I think it's, it's 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 wonderful. It's very difficult to tell. Like I said. It's, it's hard to tell a time travel story. And then it seems to work for Star Trek. You know, I'm, I'm very jealous of Star Trek huh? because Star Trek, you know, you, you don't know this about Star Trek. Because Star Trek can do a time travel and people are okay with it as far as I know. Um, it, it's, you know, it's acceptable in, in Star Trek. In Star Wars, it's a different story. It's just a, open up a can the of Star worms. Wars was never really like yeah, that. It's I mean, just, Star I, Trek was set entirely yeah. in space. Yeah. It's entirely sci-fi. It's entirely science fiction. But, like, Star Wars, I don't know what it is about it, but it has this earthly, grounded vibe to it, even though it's a bunch of kids playing with lightsabers and space toys. You know, very like, cool it's the most toys. sci-fi thing. That's, that's literally science fiction down to a science, literally. And yet... Well, you do time travel in there. It just doesn't fit. It's like if you put a multiverse in Star Wars. I'd be one of the people who throw a fit. Because it doesn't fit. Whereas in Marvel, it fits perfectly. I don't know why, but it does. And that's it. You've got to figure out where these things fit. And here, it didn't fit. Because we saw Ahsoka walking away. I mean, we didn't really need an entire World Between Worlds arc. And, okay, let me throw something else out there that might be controversial. Do you think Ezra did the right thing saving Ahsoka? Yep. Okay, all right. I agree with that because Ahsoka, honestly, can you imagine not having Ahsoka Mm. now? No. I mean, she is the future of Star Wars to me. And I think she's, one again, one of the most beloved characters 
So, you know, so it. And now that we have the Mandoverse, I mean. Yeah, and she's a part of that. Absolutely a part of that. So it is fitting that, you know, Filoni decided that he wanted Ahsoka to survive. And he did it. And he did it with style. And he made the right decision because here we are five years later from World Between Worlds. And she's getting her own series. So kudos to Dave Filoni. He is a mastermind. He's a creator. Um, he's wonderful. So, all right. So, all right. And then, like I said, the last thing that Ezra says to, to Ahsoka is, when you get back, come and find me. And then we know what happens. Oh, that, that hits different knowing what happens. Right. And then we know what happens. Ah. Well, we, we, we know what happens in, all, in the final two episodes. Uh, we're not going to talk too much oh. about that in detail. Um, but Ezra is taken away. Uh, during his deliberation of Lothal, he and Thrawn are taken away by Purgles. And they're shot out into hyperspace. We have no idea where they are. Huh. And then... Just as Ahsoka promised, years later, after the fall of the Empire, after Return to Jedi, she does return Isn't to Lothal. Is like 10 years later? I don't think it's that much. I don't, I don't think it's, well, 10 years from Rebels. the world between world. Um, yep. Not 10. No, I think it's six, right? No. Because Rebels would have ended that? a year before. Yeah, so how is six years possible? Because this means it takes place literally the year after Return of the Jedi. Well, the time the time span between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back is three years, right? Yeah. And between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi is only one year. Yep. Right? So that's, and then we have the year in between Rebels and A New Hope. So that's five. And then for that to work, it would have to take place a year after Return of the Jedi which is supposed to be when the Mandalorian starts. So that yeah. would that would subsequently mean that every Mandover show took place in the span of one year. Okay, well, so is, is that is, not six years? But is that's that... impossible. Okay. All you right. can't tell me three seasons of the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, the Book of Boba Fett, they all happened at the same time in the span of one year. Okay, How well, did Greek Cargo grow a mustache that quickly? He, well, okay, all right. So you know what happened? I, I think John Favreau might have confused us when he mentioned um, when we were doing the interview for season three. I think he mentioned that maybe there was a, a, a time jump between know, season we'll, two we'll and season three. That. I know, maybe I, I maybe don't we'll remember. ask him personally. Yeah. <laughs> well, who knows? Yeah. All right. It's uh, okay. And then Ahsoka makes that promise. She does come back. And she is looking for Sabine to help her find Ezra. And by the way, um, when I don't know the last time you watched the last two episodes, we were talking about Ezra's lightsaber. And we saw it in the trailer that Sabine had Ezra's lightsaber. Yeah. And I didn't remember how she got it. But it was Chopper that gave it to her. Mm -hmm. Chopper gave her, the in, in the last episode of Rebels, Chopper was the one that gave her Ezra's lightsaber. I guess because that was... Oh, my... Yeah, I think that was maybe Ezra's... Uh, That's why Ahsoka was trading her. Exactly, exactly. To use the yeah. saber. I, I, I missed that. I, I think that was... That Ezra's, flew over my head. Ezra's orders to give his lightsaber, you know, He's to tell Chopper to, to her in the ways of the Force. I get it now. That's made. why he said, I need you to see this through. Yes. Because he right. wants her to take his place. I'm counting on you. 
but she okay as far as we know right as far as we know she still doesn't as far as we know she doesn't have the force i mean she can still i don't know we'll find out it's like like, how can you go up against a jedi uh, or a fallen jedi who has a force and you don't and try to defeat them with just pure strength and ability i don't know anyway yeah that's not how the force works all right, so then that ends Ahsoka's storyline in Rebels, all right? So when we pick this up, we're going to talk about Ahsoka in live action. Rosaria Dawson is now taking over the role. We'll talk about um, why she was chosen to, to be Ahsoka Tano. Um, you know, thank you to the fans. And then we'll talk about her appearance in Mandalorian Season 2 and the, the Book of Boba Fett, all right? And don't forget, we will still do a character study on Thrawn, his rise to power, and we'll see what he's up to when we see Ahsoka premiering, two-episode premiere, starting August 23rd. Next week. All right, next week. Okay. All right. Um, I, th- I, I don't have any... Well, I just wanted to say one other thing. Um, on August 29th, we're looking forward to... Oh, I'm looking forward to this book called From a Certain Point of View... Um, Star Wars 40th Anniversary of Return of the Jedi. It's actually a week from today. Yeah, that's going to be dropping on the 29th, two weeks. No, Ahsoka premiered. It's a week from today. Yes, we already mentioned that. Yeah, well, now I'm talking about the book. (laughs) I'm talking about the book. All right, so the book releases August 29th. I can't wait. We're looking forward to that. Um, I'm hoping that we can cover some of the the stories in that book, but we'll find out how we're going to do that. Uh, Thank you to our patrons, Broaxium and John. Um, find our article on StarWars.com and Keith, where can people find us? You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or socials or Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fathers of Galaxy website, FathersofGalaxy.com We have a merch store <laughs> FathersofGalaxy.MySpreadShop.com Check out our Patreon page Patreon.com Galaxy. Follow us on YouTube Okay, alright, well that is it everyone uh, so if there are no Q&A, we just thank you so much. And once again, we apologize for uh, the, the breakdown in our uh, electronics here. All right. So until next time, take care. And we will, will see, see you, you again. again.